seven years old, getting a report card and looking at it, and there was like BCs, couldn't have even been a D on there. And I remember thinking, man, I'm dumb. You know, and I felt real shame because my sisters were um, straight A's and dad was a teacher and, you know, I felt like I um, judged myself against them and, you know, the achievements that they were um, getting at school. And I felt real shame and I couldn't talk about it. And, you know, from that point on, I just started being like a little scallywag, like a normal little kid, you know, like running amok. And, you know, when you see rebellion, it just means rejection. You know, I was just feeling rejected. You know, I was rejecting myself. And, you know, that and losing my first fight at school, you know, because I started being, you know, more and more rebellious. And, you know, I was, I was 12 years old and I thought, mate, I'm going to have to start stepping it up. And something was going on at school and I offered this fella out and I was like, yeah, everyone come down the oval and, you know, it's going to be a big fight. And that, in my mind, you know, I thought it was going to be like a Jackie Chan movie where I'd rip his heart out and just shoulder him and beat him and then, bam. But um, I got punched up and, like, I felt real shame and like fear and stuff and I made an inner, inner vow and I was like, never again am I going to be put on show and I'm never going to back down and, you know, these inner vows that we make in like times of like anguish and pain, they're powerful, yeah. you know, and it doesn't have to be about, you know, fighting and backing down but, you know, a lot of people have made these inner vows and, um, you know, we bury them and we forget about them yeah. and we don't know why we do the things we do but, you know, there's underlying issues right. and, um, you know, that, and it was shortly after that, you know, I just felt, I felt rejected, I felt worthless and, you know, I looked at God like, you know, I'd hear all this preaching and stuff and I thought, man, it's impossible, like how am I meant to, you know, follow all these rules and regulations and stuff, I'm going to set myself up for failure. So at, at 12 years old, I prayed to God and I said, I don't want nothing to do with you, I cursed God, I said, get out of my life, you know, I want to run my own life, I want to do what I want to do and then I prayed to the devil and I said, well, come on then. I said, I'll hand my life over to you. And in that transaction, like I gave my life over to the devil and he could do whatever he wanted. And fortunately, God took a back seat because the devil would have snatched my life away. And so many times I've nearly died and, you know, so many times I should have gone out of this world. And it was shortly after that, I started drinking and smoking marijuana and things and, um, you know, just going down this path of rebellion and, you know, when I was 16, I took my parents' car, um, took my mates down the road, and we were doing 150, and um, we hit this electricity pole. And I had no seatbelt on, I broke my neck, broke my sternum, and I had a mate in the front. He didn't have a seatbelt on either, and you know, he ruptured his spleen and stitches and stuff. But, you know, we all should have died. And I knew God, you know, kept me alive, but in my arrogance and, you know, in my, my pride, which was really just shame, you know, I wouldn't acknowledge God for what he was doing. And, you know, things got started getting worse and worse. I was listening to lots of like gangster rap and that music's so powerful. You know, like I, even now I've got to really control what I listen to. Like I don't, I don't listen to much secular stuff because um, it really like triggers me, brings back memories of when I was running amok. And, you know, the Bible talks about the devil being, you know, the head musician and that. And when you look at music today, it is so powerful what you put into ears. And so I was listening to all this gangster rap and I was working at this... Um, fruit shop and I met this Lebanese guy, believe it or not, at a fruit shop, met this labo and he was like, you want to go and do some arm robs? And I was like, oh yeah, you know, like I was building this bad boy image and that. And um, I was like, yeah, sure, let's go and do it, you know. Didn't think nothing of consequences or people or, you know, how it would affect or if the police had to come along and shot us or whatever. And we went and done these, um, f- we got four arm robberies um, and yeah, we got caught by the police and that and people were like, oh, you're going to go to prison. I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to prison, you know. Like, I come from a good family and that, first offences. And, 
Yes, we've got charges of armed robberies and violence and deprivation of liberty and all these crazy charges where you know, you're looking at 15 years per charge. And we went to court and I got sentenced to four and a half years. And I was like, what the heck? I was a skinny little white boy looking like a two-minute noodle and I was going into maximum security prison. And I remember getting out the back and I was like, oh, no. Dropped on my knees. I was like, Lord, if you get me through this, I'll turn my life around. You know, and prayed this empty prayer. And um, God knew I was just going to still run a mark. And, you know, like prison's a wild place. Like it is such a violent world. And, you know, like a lot of, a lot of um, people do get raped and killed. And, you know, violence just rules the place. And drugs rule the place. There's so much drugs and violence in jail. That it's just how this whole thing just functions. As, you know, see people jumping off the toilet onto people's heads. And like it is an extremely violent world. And um, I had to grow up fast, you know, as a little young fellow. I wasn't even street smart, you know. And um, God's hand was definitely upon me. Like, I still got into fights and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I didn't get killed and raped, praise the Lord. And um, got out of prison. Um, and I was just straight back in you know, it, like drinking and partying. And every time we'd go out to the clubs and pubs and that, like, I'd have to prove that I wasn't scared. You know, we've got this inner child in us. And that inner child was back when I was 12 and got punched up. And so when we'd go in, I'd always have to fight. Every time we'd be out, we'd be fighting. And my mates were like, why can't we go and have a good night? You know? And I'm like, that is a good night. Like, you know, I, d- I didn't know why I kept having to you know, like prove myself. And you know, you come across like real egotistical and prideful and that. But inside, I was just ashamed. Like, I was just broken. There was just a broken little boy inside of me. And um, I was banned from every pub and club on the north side, which looking back was probably a good thing. You know? And like, some of the street fights and stuff that we had, like, I should have been killed or... You know, other people should have been killed and like people got hurt and you know a lot of bad stuff happened um and yeah I just kept going out just couldn't stop partying and um I met my because I've got I've got a daughter so I met her the mother then we were together three months and she fell pregnant and I remember thinking right when when my daughter comes out like and you know, I'm gonna have to sort my life out I'm gonna have to stop doing what I'm doing um and she come along and we had a a very dysfunctional relationship, me and the mother, and I was just such a selfish, arrogant person. Um, and I just couldn't stop going out. I couldn't stop, you know, running amok, and I couldn't stop, yeah, drinking and doing drugs and stuff, all party drugs and that. And, you know, life was stressful. My friend come around, and he used to sell ice, and um, he's like, oh, you want to try some? I was like, nah, I don't want to get addicted, you know, like when you, some of my mates were addicted to um, ice, and, you know, you see the stuff on TV and that. And he's like, no, he'd be right, you know, you can just try it once and, you know, get off it. And, um, like, I don't blame him or nothing, like, I have my own decisions to make. And so I, I smoked ice for the first time and it was, like, the biggest adrenaline rush and, you know, just um, just takes away all your fears, all your anxieties and just makes you feel invincible. And um, I was like, mate, I've found it, you know, I've found what I've been looking for my whole life. Um, and it would have been, like, a week or two after that, I was going out with him and would... Um, debt collecting and doing home invasions on drug dealers and stuff and I was still working and like sleeping two or three times a week you know like we'd be out every night doing crazy stuff and it just turned me into like a really um, violent person um, and things were just getting out of control and you know we always had yeah had guns and that so we'd be rolling around with guns and coming through people's houses and stuff and just become the norm and so um, me and Jess separated and I ended up um, connecting with this other um, woman and she was um, selling heaps of drugs and we were probably on the north side of Brizzy we were one of the biggest dealers around like we had so much money 
drugs, guns, you know, we had everything. And, um, and I loved it. I was at the top, like, could do what I wanted, when I wanted, and, you know, had a green card to do whatever. Um, but I was the worst drug dealer ever. Like, I just wanted to party and, you know, like, just spent so much money in the, in the casinos and pokies. And we ended up, um, by the end of it, I was using a couple of thousand dollars a week personally and then like all my mates and stuff and we ended up with a massive drug debt which I should have been buried for but I just wiped my hands clean of it and yeah nothing come out of it and um started doing crime um you know heavier heavier crime like we'd be we'd always have guns or you know paranoid and like always wanted to have it over the top of someone so we'd go to any extreme and you know be pumping drive-bys and stuff and just blowing people's houses apart with guns and it was crazy you know but in that um, you know, well, like I loved it, and like the devil could do what he wanted. Like I was just down for whatever. I'd give my life over to the devil, and you know, so many times, you know, we should have been shot by the police, or you know, in the police chases, they'd be chucking out spike ships and stuff. And I was crazy. I'd be on the other side of the highway, doing 150, 200, you know, down the shoulder on into oncoming traffic, and you know, I was nuts. I was absolute lunatic. You know, I read like stuff in the newspapers. Now, like, about stories and that, and I was just think, what the heck, like, I was proper crazy. And um, this fella rung me up, and he's, like, threatening he was going to kill me and that, and um, I was like, yeah, no worries, you know, I'll catch you soon, you relive. So we went around his house, and um, he ran out with a knife, and my mate shot him, and we didn't really think much of it then, you know, we were just laughing and um, walked off, and the neighbours were there, we were like, yep, yeah, you know, like, just out of our minds. And um, they set up a task force and that, and they pumped my mates' houses and jumped all over, broke all their bones and that. And they charged me with attempted murder and they were looking for me as well. And uh, I was on the run for two weeks and it was the most stressful time of my life, you know, because I had the TRG after us and they were just raiding everywhere looking for me and, you know, stuff was crazy. And um, I remember, like, you know, even the build-up before this, like, I was just praying to God and, like, I knew right from wrong, but I just couldn't stop doing what I was doing. And, like, I was praying to God, and I was like, just let me die. Like, I've had enough, you know? And, like, I was, I was going to shoot myself, but I didn't want my mum to have to ID my body. Um, and, like, we're just getting all, doing all this crazy stuff. I was just hoping that I'd die. And I knew where I was going. Like, if I had gone then, like, I'd be going straight to hell. You know, and there's that scripture, and it says, um, you know, like, at the end times and that. And, um, you know, God would have said, you know, depart from me, for I never knew you. Yeah. You know, and that's it. You're gone no more life, you know, and just separated from God. You know, that's what I believe hell on earth is, you know, like being separated from God. Not that God doesn't love you any less, but, you know, you're the furthest away from God that you can be. Um, and so I got caught, charged with attempted murder, and I was just relieved to go back to jail. Like, I could just stop running. Like, I was so drugged out. I was 72 kilos. Like, I looked terrible, you know, and I remember I cruised into the first unit and there were some of my mates there, and I was like, what's going on, boys? And they're like, who there for you? I said, it's Ash. They used to call me Aunt Johnny Bravo. I don't know if you know Johnny Bravo, the cartoon. I said, Johnny Bravo, like, what happened to you, mate? You got AIDS or something? I was like, nah, you've been a rough one, you know, because you don't eat, you don't sleep on these drugs and just ravages your body. And um, yeah, I was just, just straight back into it in jail, like wild ass. And I remember ringing my mum up and, um, you know, first phone call and she was just crying her eyes out. She's like, you know, we didn't bring up you know, to be like this, you know, she, the lawyers had told her I'd be in charge of attempted murder and like supplying firearms and stealing cars and home evasions and all this other stuff that I got done. Um, 
And I was like, oh, what are you crying about? Like, who cares, you know? Like, I, I just had no, no empathy. Like, I had no emotions. Like, you know, I was like, well, it's my life. And I, I said, I'll probably be out in, like, eight to ten years, you know? Like, um, who cares? You know, it is what it is. And, you know, my poor parents, I just put them through hell. They're such good people. You know, and the police would always be raiding, looking for me and looking for gear, that, stuff that you cook speed with and just all this crazy stuff. And um, it got dropped to grievous bodily harm. Um, and I ended up getting back out of prison, got back out, and I was a big boy when I got out, and you know, had no money in that. I was like, right, I know where to get money, and I started collecting for me mate because he was, he was yeah, doing what he was doing times ten, and yeah, had all the money and drugs and whatever I wanted, um, and I was just you know straight back into it, and the more I tried to stop, it's like the more violent I got, the more out of control I got, and if I got done for one more violent thing. I'd be getting 10 years with an SVO or more. And there's so many times, you know, where stuff should have gone wrong and did go wrong, but nothing come out of it. And, and I got more charges and, you know, I rung up probation and price. I said, listen, I'm going to get more charges. I said, I'll only hand myself in because I hadn't caught me. If you don't oppose my bail, otherwise I'll catch you on Channel 9 News, you know. And she's like, what are you doing? Hand yourself in, right? And I was like, well, if you don't oppose my bail, I will. Because then I can, you know, you don't go straight back to jail. You can... Um, try and sort stuff out and she goes right I won't, I won't oppose your bail so handed myself in and got bail and dad found out about this um, drug and alcohol program and he said will you give it a go and I was like well there's not much else left to do you know I'm either going to spend the rest of my life in a jail or I'm going to blow my head off like I'm done and I went up to the program and I didn't know it was a Christian program and I was filthy when I got there like it was filthy. I rung up dad. I was like, you got me. It's a bloody Christian rehab, mate. You know, like, just didn't want nothing to do with God, you know, because I had so much shame and, like, I thought I was unworthy and rejected and all that. And, you know, I hated the program. Like, hated it. I was, I was looking forward to going back to jail instead of having to do the program. Like, I just thought it was the most pettiest joke and, you know, having to talk about your feelings and your issues and that. I was like, wow, this is unheard of. And probably the most um, pivotal point in my program was um, when Dion Hockey came up to church and he was like, you know, preaching and that. And he's like, oh, who wants to see a miracle? I was like, yeah, right. And he's like, well, come up here then and um, pray for this lady. And her leg got healed in front of my eyes. And I was like, what the heck? And um, done the altar call. And I was like, yep, give my heart to God. And the minute that I gave my heart to God, like I started crying. And I was like, oh, no, what are you doing? You know, like, what is this stuff coming out of my eyes? Like, I had such a hard heart. And, like, God just started unraveling me. And, like, I put my head down because I didn't want, to, like, people to see vulnerability. Hadn't shown vulnerability or fear or, you know, emotions for, you know, 10 years. And, um, yeah, God just started unraveling me, you know, and it talks about, like, he removes a stone from our chest and gives you a heart of flesh. And from that point on, like, I cry heaps now. I feel like such a baby, like... Even in worship music before, I was like, have a little moment. <laughs> but like God just, just, just unraveled me. And like, you know, the last five and a half years have been the toughest years of my life. There's been times where I felt like just chucking it in and going back to jail. Like I felt like a failure. And, you know, all these unbearable feelings have come up. I thought, man, I've just failed. I'm done. And, you know, I've had good people around me. And I don't know if he's no Troy. A couple of years no Troy. Troy Sullivan's really helped me and stopped me so many times from stepping back into that world because I wouldn't come back. The devil would own my bones. And, you know, in the last five and a half years, like, I've been able to travel for 10 years. I haven't even been able to leave Queensland, you know, let alone go traveling and stuff. And, um, like, we've been over to Africa building churches and, 
you know, Vanuatu, and we've traveled around the place, Papua New Guinea, and just done all this wild stuff, and we're about to go to Philippines in um, March, and I just live this amazing life, and I've got an amazing relationship with my daughter. You know, she was four and a half when I come up, and I'd spent her whole life in jail or off my head, and that was probably one of the toughest things that I had to, to overcome. You know, I know only God forgave me, but like to forgive myself, and you know, I just thought, how could you choose that over your daughter? And you know, I had so much um, hatred towards myself for what I'd done, and you know, I took her to Africa last year, and you know, we just do the coolest stuff now, and you know, I'm so blessed. Like every day, you know, I should be dead, and every day is a gift from God, and you know, I continue to um, put one foot in front of the other. I made a lot of mistakes on the journey. You know, but God's faithful and he continues to pick us up. And, you know, um, I've got the best life now. And I'm just so thankful for, you know, I've had hundreds of people pray for me. You know, my parents are pretty um, influential people and had a lot of um, support not around them. And, you know, the power of prayer is underestimated. Um, there's so many times I should have died, but, you know, God kept me alive for, you know, this appointed time. And I'm just so, so blessed to share about, you know, God's goodness and, um, I definitely don't take the grace that he's given me um, lightly. So, um, yeah, thanks for um, getting us up here and listening to the story. Wow, wow, wow. That's the short version. And I remember the first, because the guys are got to come to church morning and night in the program. I remember the first day Ash was there. And I was like, I don't want to be here. You know, and it took a while because love drives out fear. And I trust even with that story, it gives you compassion for broken people. Because sometimes we can see people acting out, doing dumb, sinful, dangerous, reckless stuff, but there's always a broken heart inside. There's always fear driving them. There's always, they don't understand the true love of Jesus. And I just feel a compassion coming in some of our hearts. Don't judge people. Love them. And be a bridge of hope to their broken world. And working with guys like Ashley, it's just really stirred my heart. Because I was brought up in a Christian home on a farm and never saw or experienced any of this. And uh, I've seen some life since, but the last nine years working with the Transformations Men and Women has transformed me and transformed our church. Because we, we don't have comfortable Christianity anymore in our church. Every week there's 20 or 30 people that I don't know if they've just walked out of jail. I don't know what broken trauma is in their soul. So I can't do nice little church services anymore. We've got to have the power of God and his grace pouring through us, just like you do as a church, and that's why people are coming to this church. So Ashley, you're a man of faith. He's doing Bible college now, call of God's on his life, and just touching hearts. And his story is multiplied dozens of times. And I think, God, you are so real. There are people here tonight... We've all got our masks and our fronts, but God knows what's going on inside of your heart. And he's calling you. He's drawing you closer to himself. Don't push him away. Often we push away the very people who can help us the most. But the Spirit of God's calling and drawing people in love, closer to his heart. 
uh, I can just feel the struggle inside some people's souls right now. God has come to heal the brokenhearted, to release the prisoners, and set captives free. The difference between a prisoner and a captive, a prisoner is someone who's in prison because they've done wrong stuff. A captive is someone who hasn't often done wrong stuff, but they've been brought captive by other people or other different situations. So Jesus comes to set the prisoners and captives free. So that covers all of us. That's really good news. Really, really, really good news. And we live by our choices. Everyone has to make choices every day. But I just encourage you to keep saying yes to the Holy Spirit. I want to share just for a few minutes tonight on the power of praise. And that's like preaching to the choir here because you guys love praise. But I just feel just to stir you up a little bit more. Are you ready? Acts 16, 23 to 34 is the story of Paul and Silas. I love this story. It's about prison. So Ashley, you were right up the alley here. So Paul and Silas were out on this amazing missions trip, seeing incredible things happen. They pray for a lady who was uh, led by evil spirits and, and fortune teller, get her free, and then they end up in prison for doing a good deed. You realise sometimes when you do good deeds, not everyone's happy. The devil hates it, and some people don't like your, the power of God to expose their sin or darkness. So anyway, they end up in prison for helping people. And so we pick up the story. It says, after they were severely beaten, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them securely. So the jailer placed them in the innermost cell of the prison and had their feet bound and chained. And those prisons were horrible, horrible places. They're an evil place now, but they were rat infested. There was no electricity. Often they didn't get fed and they were in chains and it was dark probably wet or damp, full of disease. It was horrible places. Many people didn't come out alive at all. Paul and Silas, undaunted, prayed in the middle of the night and sang songs of praise to God while all the other prisoners listened to their worship. There's a point there. Don't let your praise just be silent. Don't let your Christian life try and be a secret Christian. Hey, They praised God with all of their heart. It says all the prisoners heard it. And they had thick walls, so they're probably singing at the top of their voices. Unashamedly, the other prisoners are saying, shut up, we want to sleep. But they're just going louder and stronger. And remember, their backs were beaten, they were bleeding, they were in physical pain and trauma. Probably Silas is thinking, hold on, I didn't see this in the the missions contract, the sign print. I didn't think we were going to get beaten up. I thought we were going to have an awesome trip around the world. Sometimes when you set out to serve God, things sometimes happen that youth hadn't planned. But God can always turn it for good. And so here they are, praising God with all of their hearts. Suddenly, a great earthquake shook the foundations of the prison. All at once, every prison door. I love that. It wasn't just Paul and Silas's. Because when you praise God, you change, change the atmosphere and everyone gets affected. When you praise God in church here, your city is being touched. It's not just some weird spiritual thing. It is a reality that when you lift up the name of Jesus, He comes and inhabits His praises and the atmosphere over your city is shifted every time you praise God. That's why I look 
where, church, where churches are praising and worshipping God with great freedom. People are getting saved regularly and the atmosphere of that city is shifting. Prayer and praise are two of the greatest things to change the atmosphere over a city. And we've got to realise what we do here in church, what you do in your bedroom in your worship time, what you do in your youth group or your life group, let me tell you, it's shifting the atmosphere of your street and your neighbourhood because God inhabits the praises. So you're inviting God to come and change the atmosphere of your city. And Paul and Silas, that's what they knew. It says, at once every prison door flung open and the chains of all the prisoners came loose. Once again, when they praised, they just didn't get free. Everyone in the prison, their chains fell off and the prison doors. I love that. When you praise God, it affects everyone else around you. That's why the devil tries to shut your mouth. That's why the devil tries to silence the church. Let me tell you, there's been schemes the enemy to try and intimidate and silence the church the last few years across our nation. The media's tried to close us down. Let me tell you, that's when we need to shout louder. That's when we need to stand up and declare with wisdom, unashamedly, the freedom of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, we've got to do it. The devil's trying to slow us down and silence you in your workplace or your family. Saying, oh, you can go to church, but don't be so radical. That's when you need to get more passionate. Because I've learned you've got to do the opposite of what the devil's trying to do to you. If he's trying to quieten you down, you need to stir it up more. Because the, the breakthroughs happen. Prisoners get set free when you lift up the name of Jesus Christ. It cuts through the atmosphere. Let me tell you, it shifts the atmosphere over a family, over a community, over a classroom. It's very powerful. And startled, the jailer awoke and saw every cell door standing open. Assuming that all the prisoners escaped, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Why was he doing that? Well, in those days, if you're a Roman soldier and one of your prisoners escapes, your life is taken in place of the one who escaped. He thought, mate... I don't understand this earthquake, but they've all escaped, so he's about to take his life. And Paul knew what was happening, and so he shouted in the darkness, Stop! Don't kill yourself! We're still all here. The jailer called for a light. Remember, it's pitch black. When he saw that they were still in their cells, he rushed in and fell trembling at their feet. When he, then he led Paul and Silas outside and asked, what must I do to be saved? They didn't have to preach a sermon because they've already prayed it and sung it and he already knew what was the answer to get saved. See, the power of praise and worship can preach the gospel like nothing else because music will cut through people's barriers. It'll cut through their emotions, their fears. It'll cut through into their hearts and hearts respond. This guy didn't need a sermon. He'd already heard the prayers and, and the praise of Paul and Silas. In the middle of darkness and pain, they lift up a shout and a song of praise and the jailer and his whole household get saved and every prisoner gets set free. That is very, very powerful. This is not just a cute story. This is a powerful principle of life. And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and all your family. I love household salvation. Then they prophesied the word of the Lord over him and all his family. Even though the hour was late, he washed their wounds. Then he and all his family were baptised. It's probably three o'clock in the morning by now because the earthquake happened at midnight. No sleeping this night. He's feeding them. He's 
It says, even though the hour was late, he washed their wounds. They were all baptised. He took Paul and Silas in his home and set them at his table and fed them. This is absolutely taboo. But when Jesus changed you, enemies become friends. When Jesus changes your life and shakes your family and community, everyone's hearts are changed. The jailer and all his family were filled with joy at their newfound faith in God. Wow, wow, wow. How did this all happen? Prayer and praise at midnight when they're in pain. When it's darkest around your life, that's the time to ramp up the praise. Get the praise party going. Get the Christian music on. Do stuff that stirs up the presence of God in your life. Put on the garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. And let me tell you, it cuts through the atmosphere around our world. And that's why one of the reasons why Australia is one of the foremost nations of Christian praise and worship in the world. Hillsong music, Planet Shakers music, all sorts of music is sung by hundreds of millions of people all over the world and it's come out of Australia because Australians are learning how to praise God. They are learning how to praise with freedom, with liberty, not with religious constraints, but with all of your being. They praise God loudly. It's not just a private thing. You can praise God too little, but you can never praise Him too much. Never, never. Some of you need to crank up your praise, your volume. Say, well, I'm just a quiet person. Hey, I was a shy person. Now I'm an outgoing, loud person because I've just learned you just got to do it with all your heart. If you're going to do it in life, do it with all your heart. You don't have to be noisy like me because I'm an extrovert, but you need to do it with all of your being. And some of you know Roger Saunders. Roger, that's, uh, you guys have been over to India. And I've known Roger since just long, not long after he got saved in the mid-1970s. He was in the church at Nambour where I got transferred in the bank. And I remember Roger. He just unashamedly loved Jesus. And they were, they were in the occult been to India to find their spiritual gurus in the early 70s. They went to the Nimbin Folk Festival and it was just full of darkness and witchcraft and drugs and everything. But while they were there, they had a child and friend, Christian people who didn't know them, felt stirred of God to go to that dark festival and, and share Jesus with whoever they could. So they went and they went and prayed for Daphne. She's having this baby. And in the process, they led both of them to Jesus. And they had a powerful encounter with Jesus that changed their life. And they ended up with missionaries in India for many years. And, but I remember, I used to work in the Commonwealth Bank at Nambour. And my wife, Mary Lynn, used to work in Bayards, which was a, a clothing store and general goods store. And Roger, he just so unashamedly loved Jesus because he'd been in darkness. And now he'd moved from darkness to light. And he was unashamedly passionate for Jesus. He would come into the bank. <clears throat> he'd wait till the bank was full, either when they first opened or just for the guy. There'd be lots of people. Everyone used to go to the bank because you couldn't do um, ATMs and everything. So everyone had to go to the bank to get their money in and out. There might be 100 or 200 people in this big bank. And he'd be standing over there. Next minute he'd let out a heartfelt, Hallelujah! The whole bank would stop, 
look over at this guy, wonder who on earth he was. It came such from his spirit, it cut through the whole atmosphere of the whole place and the presence of God just filled the, house, filled the whole bank. And then he'd walk out and say, have a good day, Ross, and out he'd go. So there's no way I could be a secret Christian in that place. He just blew any cover I might have thought I had. He'd do it once every few months and he'd catch everyone by surprise. But no one arrested him or because it was, it was just so from the heart, it used to just, wow, he's a bit weird, but their hearts would be strangely moved and peace would come over the place. He'd go around the corner, he'd hide among the clothes or the suits in the shop where Mary Lynn worked. He'd do the same thing. He'd sort of jump out, hallelujah! And the whole shop would just go, what's that? Then he'd walk out and say, have a great day, Mary. So she had no chance of being a secret disciple either. And he used to do that regularly over a couple of years. And I thought, wow, wow, wow. The power of praise to Jesus. Because hallelujah means praise the Lord. And it would cut through the atmosphere. And they led hundreds of people to Jesus. Because they just unashamedly praised the Lord. And anyone who was searching for truth, they'd just go and find them. Say, when you yell that hallelujah, something changed in my heart. Hope came that God could change my life. You think that's just too simple, but it worked. I'm not saying you have to do it tomorrow or Tuesday in your classroom. But we've got to be unashamed about Jesus. I used to work in the bank. And so Monday mornings, I'd be walking around whistling or humming a a tune, a song from church. Happy as, and they'd be all dragging their heels because they'd partied all weekend and had hangovers. And what are you so happy about? I'd just walk past singing. I wouldn't say anything. For weeks, I wouldn't give them an answer. I'd just get them curious. And after a while, i say, why are you singing all the time? Why are you so happy? I said, I went to church. Yes, we had a great day at church. And then I'd walk on. <laughs> the next week, they say, they'd get furious with me. Stop singing. I said, no, I'm so happy. Why are you so happy? Because I went to church and we saw Jesus change some lives and heal some people. I said, what? Then I'd walk on. And over a period of months, they all got curious. I ended up leading people to Jesus just through Praising God. I know this stuff works. I know it works. They got curious. Some would get angry because the darkness within would rise up and they would just be do everything to make your life miserable, but it would just pr- make me praise God more. I wouldn't do weird stuff. I'd just sow enough salt and light so they'd get curious. I remember praying for people at the lunchroom. They'd be crying their eyes out. God would be giving me words of knowledge over them. And then we'd have to go back and serve people. I think, how do we get these crying people back to serve the customers? And I'm not an evangelist. I'm just someone who learnt the power. Because when I was a shy guy and I met Jesus, I filled the Spirit. I know the power of that. And praise set my heart free. I wasn't quite as radical as Roger Saunders, but I just was passionate about Jesus. And God taught me to be unashamed. And for me, that was amazing because I was afraid of what people thought of me. But the Spirit of God just rose up within me. I'd become more and more bold. Psalm 133, 1 says, Hallelujah. You who serve God, praise God. Just to speak His name is praise. Just to remember God is a blessing now and tomorrow and always. From east to west, from dawn to dusk, keep lifting up your praises to God. The old version says, from the rising of the sun to the going down. Some of you remember the song and the actions, hey? The Lord's name is to be praised. 
Hey, don't forget to do it. Find a way to give thanks and praise to God. Psalm 119, 164. I stop to praise you seven times a day, all because your ways are perfect. Wow. Psalm 34, 1. I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Some of us have fear and negativity and criticism and gossip in our mouths instead of hope and praise to God. Just a couple of points to wrap it up today. Praise brings us into God's presence and positions you for His favour and blessing. When you praise God, He can't resist it. He gets drawn to it. That's why churches that are praising churches will always have a manifest presence of God and people will be getting saved and healed and transformed. It just works. It's one of the keys for freedom in our individual lives and our churches. Psalm 100, verse 1 to 5. You know this Psalm 100. In the Passion Version, it says, Lift up a great shout of joy to the Lord. Go ahead and do it, everyone, everywhere. As you serve Him, be glad and worship Him. Sing your way into His presence with joy. Wow. And realize what this really means. We have the privilege of worshiping the Lord our God. For He is our Creator and we belong to Him. We are the people of His pleasure. You can pass through His open gates with the password of praise. Wow, you don't need your secret token or your fingerprint. Just praise is the password to get into His manifest presence. Someone say, I haven't felt God's presence for a while. I say, how much have you been praising? Oh, yeah, I sing occasionally. I said, no, no, no. Praise is the password. Get praising God. I can feel down and discouraged if I start praising Him in English and in other tongues and in the Spirit. Rarely do I, do I last five minutes in my place of discouragement. You just can't stay there. You praise God and the presence of God comes and He lifts your spirit. He puts some adrenaline in your soul and you're moving forward with hope. It's a powerful, simple key in our Christian life. It goes on and says, come right into His presence with thanksgiving. Come bring your thank offering to Him and affectionately bless His beautiful name. For the Lord is always good and ready to receive you. He's so loving that it will amaze you, so kind that it will astound you, and He is famous for His faithfulness toward all. Everyone knows our God can be trusted for He keeps His promises to, his, to every generation. Verse 4 in the uh, NIV says, Enter His gates with thanksgiving, His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. God inhabits the praise of His people. Psalm 22, verse 3, and the Passion says, Yet I know that you are most holy. It's indisputable. You are God enthroned, surrounded with songs, living among the shouts of praise of your princely people. Do you know what praise is? It's an invitation for God's presence to come and fill your life. When you praise and give thanks to God, He cannot resist. Oh, here's, a, here's an open invitation to come and hang out with this person. A praising church will always have a flow of the presence and power of God. And in His presence is His voice and in His presence are His miracles and power. It's so simple and yet sometimes we get so sophisticated and think we've got to have all this and we've got to have all that and we've got to have everything else. Nice buildings are great. Great band is great. Lights and action. All helpful. 
But hey, it's about the heart passionately praising Jesus. I've been in Fiji and they pull out one guitar with three strings and they start to worship and I'm weeping by the second song because they've learned to worship God with all their heart. God just can't resist. He says, I'm here. You know, full piece band and everything cranking and the presence of God comes. You could be in your own home and you can't sing two notes in tune, but you put on some Planet Shakes or Hillsong music or Bethel music or Jesus culture. And by the time the second song's on, you're weeping in the presence of God because he gets an invitation to say, come and fill my life and transform my world. That's how powerful it is. And we forget the simplicity and power. It's the password for his presence. I encourage you as a church, worship passionately. You do. Keep going more. More. God tell you, it's contagious. People down the street can't hear you, but in this spirit, the atmosphere is shifting and people get drawn. They really do. People will start showing up at your church. They'll start showing up your youth group. They'll start showing up at your life group. And they say, I'm not quite sure why I'm here. I says, I do. I said, tell me your story. Quite often, someone invited them years ago and they said, just last few weeks, I can't get out of mind. Every Sunday morning, I wake up and it's like I've got to go to church. Haven't been for decades. It's okay, welcome, come on in. God loves you. Happens every week at church now. <clears throat> and our church is not the only one that's doing it. And you guys are going to see it more and more and more. Because a praising church, the church that's free in His presence, and God says, I can trust new people to go there because they're going to meet me. That's how it works. Oh, just be passionate about your worship. So it's an invitation for God to come and fill your life in the atmosphere. And he can't resist delighting in your praise and worship. And he'll often bring breakthroughs and an awareness of his presence. Secondly, praise exalts and magnifies Jesus, God, <clears throat> almighty God. Do you realize that King David, <clears throat> he had a revelation of this in the temple. In 1 Chronicles 23, 5, some of you read this, but you might have forgotten it. King David and then Solomon his son were the height of the Israeli and uh, Judah ascendancy with the presence of God until Jesus came. Do you know what he did? He understood the power of praise because a lot of the Psalms are written by David and his worship team, the sons of Korah and some of their mates. It says in 1 Chronicles 23, 5, David appointed 4,000 singers and musicians to constantly worship the Lord in his temple. He had 4,000 trained musicians and singers. They were on rosters, so there was probably a 1,000 at a time on probably six or eight hour rosters. They did it 24-7 for decades in the temple of God. And that was the high point of Israel's history. Why? Because David understood that if we praise him constantly with all of our heart, God can't resist it. He's going to become enthroned and he's going to bring peace and breakthrough in our nation. You read, you read it and see. And then when they stopped the praising, the country went downhill fast because of disobedience. That is a powerful, powerful nationwide truth. Wow. Some of you probably know Australia's Christian history, but 1959 when Billy Graham came, it was the closest Australia's had to a major move of God. 
Do you realize in 1959, for about three months, Billy Graham traveled all over our nation. One third of every Australian alive went and heard him preach in 1959. You imagine that. How many people live in Gladstone now? 35,000, a third of them showed up for church. Right across the nation, one third of Australians showed up at least once to hear Billy Graham preach. And in that, they would have thousands of people singing in the choir, praising God, bringing the presence of God. And when Billy Graham got up to preach, it was so easy. I was at the 1979 the last time he came, he came three times to Australia, 59, 67, and 79. I was in Sydney visiting my brother, and Billy Graham was in, in town. It was a Sunday afternoon. He says, do you want to go and hear Billy Graham? I said, yeah, let's go. We went to the Randwick race course, 80,000 people at the Randwick race course. I wept as Billy Graham preached, and thousands walked out, gave the hostages, crying as they went out. And I just wept and said, God... Use my life to at least bring some into your kingdom. It was a pivotal moment in my life where I saw the power of Jesus to win masses to the kingdom of God. Something was planted in my heart as a 21-year-old. I said, God, if you can use my life, just use it. They had great praise <clears throat> and they had clear preaching of Jesus. Over one half of Australians heard him preach. A third heard him live there was an, an, another hundreds of thousands heard him on landlines and speakers in halls. In 67, I was, in the, I was an eight, a nine-year-old kid and I remember they had a landline and we had hundreds in the little community hall came to hear him preach. And so they said that over half of Australia heard Billy Graham preach at least once in 1959. There was one church in Sydney had 750 new people join their church within weeks nationally, there was a 10% drop in alcohol sales over the next 12 months after his crusade. In the centre of Sydney, there was a 50% drop in alcohol-related crime for the next year. The power of God works. And as we learn to praise and invite Jesus to be Lord over our lives, our families, our schools, our cities, let me tell you, the atmosphere shifts. And there's a lot of darkness out there. There's a lot of evil trying to silence the church and silence the praise. Let me tell you, you can get away with it with song. You can't get up in the corner and preach. Someone will come and harass you or close you down. But you can sing. You can sing. And you can sing and lift up the name of Jesus Christ. And the atmosphere shifts. We've got a lady in our church. She got married a few months ago. We were asked to help with the light up the night, the leukemia fundraiser. The lady organises it in our communities, in our church. She received an order of Australia for 40 years and her and her husband helped start up the fundraiser for leukemia in Australia 40 years ago when their daughter died. And so she puts on this event where they do the walk and the light up the night and you walk with Clantons. Hundreds of people come on the seafront oval and every year she puts on a bit of a concert and she gets me to do the prayer of blessing and Mary Lynn, my wife, sings Amazing Grace. She was singing Amazing Grace two years ago at that fair, out in the open, lifting up Jesus. A lady who was only in town for a week had been in domestic violence and moved into our town from a, somewhere else to be a safe place. Heard Mary Lynn singing, was touched by her, the song and her voice, 
went and asked someone, who's that singing? They said, oh, she's a pastor's wife, found out the name of the church. This was on Friday night, on Sunday morning, she's in our church. Came out and made a commitment to Jesus. And she grabbed my wife and said, I followed your voice to church. And I found God. That's the power of it, you see. She's singing Amazing Grace in a public event out on the Oval. Light came into the darkness of her soul and she got saved. Now she's happily married and just gone. And she's our church cleaner, serving God. She came because she heard my wife singing Amazing Grace in a public place because it cuts through the darkness. Let me tell you, this is powerful stuff. Wow, let's wrap this up. Well, when we're overwhelmed by circumstances, the last thing you feel like doing is praising God. It's the one thing you should first do. Because praise gets your attention off yourself and onto God's love and miraculous power. It's normal to focus on your problem and forget to praise God or just not feel like it. But praise helps change the atmosphere. 1 Peter 1.7 says, These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. So regardless how you feel, just start to praise Jesus. Because he hasn't changed. The sun's still shining above the clouds. You just can't see it. Praise starts to break open the clouds and you start to see the sun and the blessing of God. It's a choice to go past your feelings and circumstances because God hasn't changed. And when you start to praise, it's an invitation to come and start to shift the clouds, to change the way you perceive yourself and others. That's why praise is a powerful thing. We had a, a really wealthy businessman years ago got saved in our church. His wife came along, saw an ad at the local cinema for our church, brought the girls along to youth, and then after a while, the husband showed up. For four Sundays in a row, he sat in our church. At the end of the fourth Sunday, he said, can I come and see you this week? I said, sure. Came in, we had a good chat, and I asked him, I said, have you ever asked Jesus in your heart? He said, yeah. I said, when? He said, the last four weeks sitting in your church. He got saved just by hearing the worship and the preaching. Didn't put his hand up, didn't come out the front, but he was genuinely converted and he's still following God years later. And I thought, wow, 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 wow. It's great to have a moment and a point of response, but he just got saved by being in the atmosphere of praise and the word. It's powerful, folks. <laughs> I just, I got loads of stories of God's grace and we need to just make, maybe think, so maybe I don't feel like it or don't understand how it works. Let me tell you, when you go flying on a plane, can you explain to me all the laws of physics and aerodynamics of why that huge plane that weighs hundreds of tons or thousands, how it gets off the tarmac and stays in the air and doesn't crash? Can you explain that to me? No, I bet you can't because I can't. But you trust the law of aerodynamics, it's going to work and the pilots train and you get to your destination. Do you understand how praise works? Not really, but let me tell you, it works, so you might as well get on board with God's principles and plans. It's so powerful. Psalm 103 verse 1 says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all my, all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. So if you don't know what to praise God, we just start thanking Him for what He's done, who He is. In the Passion, it says, with my whole heart, with my whole life, with my innermost being, I, will ha I bow in wonder and 
love before you, the Holy God. Yahweh, you are my soul celebration. How could I ever forget the miracles of kindness you've done for me? You kissed my heart with forgiveness in spite of all I've done. You've healed me inside and out from every disease. You've rescued me from hell and saved my life. You've crowned me with love and mercy. You satisfy my every desire with good things. You've supercharged my life that I can soar again like a flying eagle in the sky. Woo! You're feeling like a turkey in the dirt and sin alive or do you want to start to soar like an eagle? I've learned if I praise long enough, I cannot stay down there. I start to soar. Hope fills my heart. Thanksgiving fills my spirit. Answers start to come. If I pray and worship in the Spirit, within minutes my spirit starts to lift and His Spirit starts to speak into my heart. Oh, Lord. Praise is a powerful spiritual weapon and atmosphere changer. Here's one more psalm to, to stir your heart. Psalm 149 verse 5, it says, His godly lovers triumph in glory to God, and their joyful praise will rise even while others sleep. God's high and holy praises fill their mouths, for their shouted praises are their weapons of war. Wow. These warring weapons will bring vengeance on every opposing force and every resistant power to bind kings with chains and rulers with iron shackles. Praise-filled warriors will enforce the judgment doom decreed against their enemies. This is the glorious honour He gives to all His godly lovers. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. When I go to Fiji or India and preach, every time I yell out hallelujah, the whole crowd rise their feet and yells out hallelujah back. Don't they? Hallelujah. And they just jump up and go. We're just so comfortable Aussie Christians. Hey, we need to stir ourselves up. Saying, well, I'm just a little bit, um, that's not me. If we want to shake our city, we've got to do some things more like God's way instead of what we think's comfortable and religious and boring. Oh, just made a few friends. It works. It works. What happened? How did the walls of Jericho come down? They walked around, they gave a shout of praise, and the walls came down. God gave the strategy to Joshua, says, tell them not to talk until I tell them. Why? Because they would have been getting negative, saying, this is weird. What on earth are we walking around these armoured walls for six days? My feet are hurting, you know, my legs are sore. We've got to do it six times on the seventh day. This is out there. Come on. He banned them from talking so they wouldn't get negative and gossip and criticise. Sometimes we need to zip our lips when we're feeling negative and don't speak that negative rubbish. Get some praise in your lips or keep your lips closed. And then he said, when the trumpets blast, give a shout of praise with all of your being. And when they did, the walls came down. Some walls come down in your lives when you start to learn to shout praise and speak it from your King Jehoshaphat, 2 Chronicles 20, 135,000, 120,000 enemy troops around them. They were overwhelmed, called the people together in prayer and fasting, cried out to God. God gave them the strategy and says, okay, tomorrow... The musicians are the frontline troops. I wonder if they had any resignations from the worship team that next day. 
drummer's out there with the drum. Where's my sword? No, you've got both hands drumming, mate. Forget the sword. The singers and the musicians are out the front line. And you know what God told them to do? To sing and shout, give thanks to the Lord for his mercy endures forever. It wasn't even a war song. Wasn't it? Well, we're going to get you, and our God's greater, and you know some of these passionate breakthrough praise songs. It was a worship song and a praise song of God. You're awesome. We love you. You're mighty. As soon as they started to praise, the atmosphere shift. The enemy's forces got confused, and they started to kill each other. And the people of Israel just watched the enemy get destroyed by the power of praise. Some of you have wrestled with anxiety and depression for a long time. It's not the only key, but it's one of the keys you need to get more praise happening in your world. Get that Christian music around. Let it flow. Start to speak out the name of Jesus and you see some things shift. It's not the only cure, but it's certainly a powerful key. It really, really is. Paul and Silas saw it. That's why I love that song, I'll raise a hallelujah. In the presence of my enemies. I'll raise a hallelujah. Darkness flees. Two more verses as the worship team come. Psalm 8, 1 and 2 says, Lord, your name is so great and powerful, people everywhere see your splendor. Your glorious majesty streams from the heavens filling the earth with the fame of your name. Listen to this. You have built a stronghold by the songs of babies. Strength rises up with the chorus of singing children. This kind of praise has the power to shut Satan's mouth. Childlike worship will silence the madness of those who oppose you. Parents and grandparents, teach your children to praise from the earliest days. Teach them to praise with unrestricted freedom. Sing to them. We used to sing over our kids every night when we put them to bed. We sang songs over them. We'd pray a prayer of blessing and then sing songs over them before they went to sleep every night. All of my three children are musicians and worshippers and praisers. My wife and I learnt the power of this a long time ago. As Ashley said, get that other junk music off and get praise filling your house. I'm serious. Because music brings atmosphere. Shifts the atmosphere. Last one, praise is a pathway for people to get saved. The jailer and his household. Anointed, God-filled praise impacts and draws people in to Jesus. Let's stand in his presence. I want to read Psalm 150 as we just finish and then we're going to take a moment to pray. Tomorrow's a holiday, so I know I've gone a bit over time, but take a deep breath. Listen to this psalm. Psalm 150. Hallelujah! Where's the response? Come on, guys. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His holy sanctuary. Praise Him in the stronghold in the sky. Praise Him for the miracles of might. 
Praise Him for His magnificent greatness. Praise Him with the trumpets blasting. Praise Him with piano and guitar. Praise Him with drums and dancing. Praise Him with the loud resounding clash of cymbals. Praise Him with every instrument you can find. Let everyone everywhere join in the crescendo of ecstatic praise to Yahweh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's give Him a shout of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, you're worthy, 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 Lord. Oh, you're mighty, mighty God. Oh, we praise your mighty name. Woo! God, shift the atmosphere over people's hearts tonight. Lord, shift the atmosphere over some households, I pray. Over the schools of this city, oh God. Over our university. Lord, over our sporting clubs. Lord, in our hospitals. Lord, in our doctor's clinics. God, I pray, I pray for your presence to bring freedom in the heavens, oh God. And open heaven by your spirit, oh God. Shift the darkness. Oh, let freedom come out of our hearts, oh God. We will praise the Lord. We will shout your praises. God, we'll lift up our voices with all of our being. We will praise the name of our God. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, we praise you, Lord. Oh, freedom, oh God. Freedom, oh God. Oh, release darkness. Bring healing right now in Jesus' mighty name. Oh, Oh, shift the atmosphere, I pray, over the city, oh God. Oh, we shout your praises, oh God. Oh, we shout your praises. Oh, mighty God. Mighty, mighty God. Oh, we praise you, Lord. Oh, we praise you, Lord, Lord. Oh, we praise your name. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, God, release hearts right now. Let depression go. Let depression and suicide must leave this city, oh, God. Oh, drug addiction, lose its power, oh, God. Oh, freedom, freedom, freedom. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. You might be standing and saying, you're crazy. The natural mind cannot understand the things of the Spirit, for they are spiritually discerned. Some of you have allowed your mind to rule your life and you're the one missing out on the freedom and the blessing. You've allowed the natural mind to try and reason this out and you are going to live less than God's blessing over your life. Let me tell you, I speak it plain and clear. You can settle for less if you want to, but if you want it comes God's way, you'll live in great freedom and overflow and blessing for your life. Let Him touch your spirit and then your mind will get renewed and you'll start to discover the freedom that God brings. And you'll be praising God more than anyone else. Oh, Holy Spirit. Just close your eyes right now. The Spirit of God's in this house. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never really opened your heart to Jesus. Someone's invited you along or you've been coming for a while, but you've realised, hey, I'm really just so worried at what 
people think about me, I could never really praise with freedom and abandon and sing and shout and clap like people are doing here. God knows your heart. He wants you to be free to be yourself. Don't be noisy like me, but you've got to be real and free yourself. Right now, maybe there's people here and you've never really opened your heart to Jesus. You've never experienced His forgiveness and joy and power. And if you're honest with yourself saying, hey, my heart's not free. And Ashley's story, you might have been in some of this junk that he got into, but you, you connect and say, hey, I've been trying to do it my own way. Tonight, there's an opportunity for you to say, Jesus, I need your help. Forgive me and change me. Right now, as our heads are bowed, I want to ask, do you know this Jesus personally? Not asking whether your parents or your mum or dad or your husband or wife know this Jesus. Do you know him personally? And do you have freedom in your heart? If you can't say yes to that, I invite you right now to say, Jesus, I need your help. Maybe you've never ever made that choice. Tonight, why don't you in this atmosphere saying, you're among friends who love you. Maybe you know Jesus, but you've been living away from him and you need to reaffirm or reconnect to Jesus tonight. I'd like to pray for you. If that's you, just give me a wave right now and say, Pastor, Pastor Ross, I'd like to open my heart or come to Jesus or come back. Who's that today? Just lift your hand. Yeah, God bless you, sir. God bless you. Who else? Come on, just lift it up and say, that's me. There's several other people here tonight. I feel you're battling inside. You've got to keep up this image, but you're dying on the inside because you're not free. Who else? Come on, God's calling you. Just say, that's me. Lift your hand and say, that's me. I want to come to Jesus or come back to Him. God bless you. Oh, God bless you. I just feel His love. And God's going to set some of you free. We're going to sing this song right now. As we do, if you put your hand up or you would have liked to have, I invite you just to come and join me at the front end. We're not going to embarrass you, but I just want to pray personally for you. If you come with a friend, bring them with you. Come on out. Come on with If you didn't put your hand up, but you say, God, I want to come. Just come right now. Let's worship Him, team. Let's worship Him right now. Well done, guys. Welcome. Welcome. Let's worship Him. Then we're going to pray with these that have come. Where I rather to be. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Lord. Let's worship Him. I'm not enough unless you come for you meet me here again. Jesus, come on, let's lift our hands and worship Him. Oh, we praise you, Lord. Oh, we praise you, Lord. Allah. As I walk now through the valley. Oh, let your presence fill every life here right now. 
before we sing this again right now. Those that have come to the front, for some of you, this is the first time you've ever done this. Well done. Takes great courage. Some churches don't invite people out the front because they don't want to embarrass people. But I just say, hey, if you're going to stand for Jesus, don't be a secret disciple. Jesus walked down the beach and called people publicly. You come and follow me. Some of you are making a clear recommitment to Christ and this is a powerful step a breakthrough for your life. I want to lead you in a prayer. And congregation, why don't you join in this prayer? Because there's a few others here that are in a journey of surrender and you know Jesus, but tonight God's wanting you to shift to another place of freedom. Let's close our eyes just to close out distractions. I want to lead you in a prayer and let's pray it with all of our heart. Let's pray these words. Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to be my Saviour to be my Lord. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. You rose again to give me new life. And I receive you by faith. Forgive me, heal me, save me, set me free. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I will praise you with all of my being. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, now if you're at the front here, we want some of the team just to come and pray a prayer with you and then someone will grab you and make sure you've got a Bible and take a time with you. But I want to encourage you, this is the first step on growing in God. I did it the day I finished grade 12. I've never regretted it all my life. For some of you, you know Jesus, but you need to step into a new place of freedom. If you haven't been full of the Holy Spirit, that power can set you free. Congregation, why don't you reach out your hand towards them right now and some of the team just come and pray. Father, oh God, just bless them right now. God, let Brendan know the power of God touching his life. Lord, let him know your power. Let him know your power setting him free. In the name of Jesus. name of Jesus. God, just bring, bring your peace and hope into his heart. Lord, Lord, you heard the cry of his heart. Oh God, you, you know the struggle in his soul. But today he said, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to step out. I'm going to make room. Let this be the
Oh, Jesus. The presence of God is here tonight. Oh, Jesus. Just before we finish tonight. Just before we finish tonight, I just want to make room. If you want to come, maybe you found praising God difficult. Or maybe there's been fear and depression or oppression over your life. And whenever you get into praise services, your spirit wants to praise, but you've got all these battles going on in your mind thinking, oh, what are people going to think about me? Someone told me when I was a young person, when I first came to Jesus, they said, just close your eyes and no one will see you. Because <laughs> I wanted to lift my hands and I was too scared what people are going to say. They said, just close your eyes and just do it and no one will see you. Because everyone else will be doing it anyway. And I remember something broke when I first lifted my hands to Jesus because it's an act of surrender. The first time I started to dance and jump around, it was at a youth group. And I just want to be free like the other young people, but I was really scared what people thought about me. We were at a campfire, at a youth camp, so I waited the campfire died right down and someone's playing down. It was almost dark and then I'm down the back just starting to leap and something broke over my life and I haven't stopped dancing and celebrating since. The fear of man and the fear of having to impress people or look cool was broken off my life. Something snapped in my life and it happened during praise. Learning to lift my hands, learn to sing with all my voice and learning to just jump and celebrate. When I did those things, something broke off my life with a fear of man and then I was freer to live out my Christian faith. There's some people here, you battle with what other people think about you more than you should. We all want to be nice and loved and accepted. That's a normal thing. But for some, it's a crippling fear. Others, you have anxiety and depression and torment over your minds and hearts. I want to tell you, just finding freedom to praise and worship God with all your being is one of the keys. It's not the only one, but it's a great key that for many people sets them free. Let's go back and sing one of those celebration songs we sang at the beginning. And I'm going to invite people Maybe you've wrestled with just being free. Why don't you come and join us out the front here and let's just have a a five-minute praise party and just let the freedom of Jesus come over your life. 
Some older people think, oh, that's just for the young ones. No, it's for every age. God says, everyone who has breath, praise the Lord. I want as many as possible to, maybe you haven't been out the front of a church for a while, but you won't get bitten out here. Why don't as many people as you want to just come and fill this front and let's celebrate and let freedom and praise because some people are going to walk out of here with healing over your heart. Some of you are going to walk out with a new freedom over your spirit just because you came to celebrate. And I want you to come on up. Come on up and let's worship God. Come on up. Maybe you don't normally come out the front. Come and join us. Come on. You need to sort of step out of the seat and just come and let the power of Jesus come forward so others can come. And let's worship our God and let freedom come. Come on, come on, worship Him just for five minutes and then church will be over. Come on, go and worship team, go for it. Go for it. That's what I'm said on you. You made a road in the wild, standing on ancient truth. I'm pressing on with my back to the passing. Oh, let the young see visions of the future. And I say, oh, let the old dream dreams again in my world. God, do a new thing. I know you're moving in my world. A chain reaction of holy passion. Whoa. There's triumph in the. How about we do that? Come on, Jesus. Give me a J. Give me an E. Give me an S. Give me a U. Give me an S. What's the spell? Jesus. It's so good. Jesus. Come on. Father, we praise you. We praise you. Woo. Fantastic. You know what I love about this? You can get up tomorrow morning and in the atmosphere, you haven't got everybody all the music, but you can get up. And the first thing you can do is you can look at the ceiling and you say, you know what? I just thank you for this incredible day. I just praise you today, God. I know there's some hard stuff I'm going to face this week, but I'm going to praise you anyway. I tell you what, it changes the way you go into the day. It does. It's dynamic. I just agree with that. Thank you, Pastor Ross. Appreciate you guys. I know it's God, but thank you. Hey, thanks, Ash. Thanks, mate. It's just good. nice to meet you, mate. You're a good guy. Hey, have a great week, folks. Uh, you know, uh, have a good night. The night is young. Go and take someone to supper and uh, sit down. Maybe find someone you can witness to. I don't know what it might be. Just have a great evening. Thanks, team. Appreciate you guys.